0: Scripture reminds us to seek the Lord and His strength, seek His presence continually. But how can we do this on a daily basis? In this series, we're exploring Crosspoint's core value of earnestly seeking God. Together, we're training and practicing in spiritual disciplines like Bible study, prayer, fasting, and Sabbath rest. Together, we're focusing on the disciplines that draw us into a deeper relationship with God and strengthen us spiritually in all areas of life. Together, we're being equipped as passionate followers of Jesus to renew our community and world for Christ. I want you to think for a moment of somebody in your life with whom you are very close. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a child, but think in your mind's eye about somebody with whom you are very close. Now imagine with me that they are pursuing you. They want to spend time with you, they want to sit down with you, they want to talk together, they want to share together, but you're too busy. You're running around doing great things. In fact, even serving that person, doing things for them. But every time they come to you, you just don't have time to spend with them. Now, what do you think is going to happen to that relationship? Well, I think we all know it's going to grow stale and cold and distant. We would expect that because we're not... Feeding the relationship. We're not giving the relationship the kind of time and attention that it needs. And I think for a lot of us, that describes our relationship with God. The Bible says, the Lord says to us in, the, in Revelation, the Lord says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open that door, I will come in and fellowship with them i will eat with them and they with me right now god is knocking at the door of your heart and he's waiting for you to open that door he's waiting for you to say yes i want to fellowship with you yes i want to spend time with you yes i want to listen to you through your word and through your by your spirit yes i want to connect with you oh god But the problem is, so many of us are so busy, and some of us even busy doing things to serve God, but at the same time, not responding to that knock on our our hearts that says, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to reveal more of myself to you. I want you to know me. And so we never open that door. Friends... For those of us in ministry, that's always a danger. We get so busy doing the work of God that we cease being the woman or the man of God. This series, we're looking at one of our seven core values as a church. In fact, we're ending the series this morning. And this core value that we're looking at is earnestly seeking God. And we've been looking at some of the different things that we can do to open that door, different things that we can do to hope open our hearts to God in ways we never have before, to hear from God, to connect with Him, to begin to see what He is doing in our lives and in our world so that we can join Him in those very things. I would say to you this morning that Jesus Christ died on the cross, not just that you would live in heaven forever, as wonderful as that is, but it's better than that, it's more significant than that, it's more important than that. He died for you so that you would know him now and forevermore. How do I know that? Jesus said that. He said, now this is eternal life, he says in the Gospel of John. This is eternal life that you may know the Father and you may know the Son whom he sent. This is why Jesus died. This is why God has called your heart to follow him. This is why God has revealed himself to you. And the question is, will we open our hearts to him? Will we respond to the knocking on the door of our lives? This morning, we're looking at prayer. And as we look at prayer as one way that we open our lives to God, and when I say prayer, it's both hearing God and speaking to God, hearing through God's truth and speaking to God. When we talk about prayer, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer this morning in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. And what we're going to see in this, I want to say to you, this nice little prayer that we often pray— I would tell you, is the most daring prayer that you will ever pray. And I don't think for most of us as we pray this prayer, as we utter these words often without thinking, that we really understand what it is that we are asking God to do. So what I want to do this morning is to break this prayer into pieces. And I want to explain what each piece represents and what it's calling us to do and to be. And as we look at this prayer, my challenge to you is that you would do, throughout the week, you would take just a piece of this prayer and you would spend extended time with the Lord praying in that very vein that is modeled for us in the teaching and example of Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin in verse 5. Verse 9 begins the Lord's Prayer. But I'm going to begin in verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord. And for some of you, just receive it into the depth of your soul today. It will be the most important thing you will hear all day. And when you pray... Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. This is the pattern that you should follow. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others in their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. Pretty challenging. This is a very dangerous, daring prayer. But it's one that opens the door to such wonderful things that God wants to do in us. So let's look at this prayer together. The first thing that I want you to see is is this. But before I do, I love this passage in 1st Chronicles. Listen to what it says. Glory In His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Let the hearts of those who earnestly seek after God, let your hearts rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Always. Notice that when Jesus begins, He says, When you pray, he doesn't say if you pray; he says when you pray. The assumption is that we, who proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we are praying on a regular basis. We are to seek His face always. And then we see here in this James four eight it says, "Come near to God." What's the promise? What's the promise? He will come near to you. That's the promise of God. Draw near to me, God says, and I will draw near to you. Do you feel a distance from God this morning? It's not God who has moved, it's we who have not opened the door. God is waiting for us to open the door through Him. And for some of you this morning, that will begin with the Lord's Prayer. Well, let's look at this together. Open your heart to the one to whom you are praying. It says, our Father in heaven. Those are such powerful words. I can't even begin to describe how powerful these words are. Our Father in heaven. First of all, up to this point, Jesus has never referred to the first person of the Trinity, God the Father, as our Father. It's always been my Father, my heavenly Father, my Father in heaven. And this is the first time when Jesus says to us, as followers, we are to pray our Father in heaven. Now, why is that so extraordinary? Because What we know from what the New Testament teaches is that Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live, a life without sin. And then he, who was the perfect Lamb of God, became the perfect sacrifice once and for all on the cross. And when he died on that cross and rose again, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And by the presence of the Holy Spirit, we who believe in the name of Jesus have been adopted by the eternal God to be his children. That is amazing. My three children, they had no choice. We didn't have any choice. We had children, but we didn't pick them. That stays here. But if you're adopted, you were chosen. Somebody saw you and said, I want you to be my child. That's extraordinary. God looked at you before time and he said, I want you to be my child. I can say our father because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I can say our father because he's my father. He adopted me to be his eternal child. And in that culture of that day, an adopted child had every right and privilege of a natural child. This was a significant statement that Jesus was making. And he uses an interesting word for father. It's the Greek word Abba. It's not the kind of word that a religious elite Jew at the time would ever use because it's way too informal. They, would use, they had another word that they used that was very flowery and, and was very, from their perspective, very respectful. But the word Abba can be translated as daddy. Our daddy in heaven. Now, that feels maybe too informal. I understand that. But what Jesus was conveying is the idea that God is not at a distance, but by what Jesus did for us on the cross... God is now present through the Holy Spirit in the lives of all who believe. Whenever I read these words, I think of my daughter Amy. Amy is our oldest daughter, our second child. And Amy, when she was just a little toddler, she loved the swimming pool. We lived in Arizona, and you had to have a swimming pool to survive the summers. And I would be in the water, and this little girl with her diaper would waddle to the she was a little boat legged at the time, would waddle to the side of the pool and she would say, Daddy, catch me. And she would just, and I'd hold out my arms and she would just jump in the water. Now Amy couldn't swim. Amy was just a toddler. But she would just stand and she would jump in the water and she always loved to go down. And so I'd let her go down a little bit. And her little blue eyes would be looking up at me and I'd swoop her in my arms and hold her up in the air and she would just laugh. Again, Daddy, again. When I say, our Father, that's the image I have. Why was Amy willing to jump off the side of a pool when she can't swim? Why was she willing to go down underwater when she can't swim. Why? Because she knew her daddy loved her, and she knew her daddy had the strength to pull her back up, and so she was willing to jump off the side of the pool. Why is that significant to me? Because God calls us to live by faith, not by sight. He calls us to do things that we could never do in our own strength apart from him. And that takes faith. It took faith for Amy to jump off the side of the pool and trust that her daddy would be there. I think about Amy because I know that God calls me to do things that I could never do apart from him. If I only do things that I can do in my own strength, my own wisdom, my own intelligence, which is scary, it wouldn't require faith. And so, when I pray this prayer, I know that God is going to call me to do things that's going to require faith. And so... I built over time this relationship with God through prayer and through fasting and through Bible study and reading and community and fellowship. And I've built this relationship with God where I've learned that he can be trusted. I've learned not just intellectually that he is my father in heaven, my Abba, but I have learned through experience that he is my Abba. I wasn't satisfied with having a relationship with God through somebody else's relationship with God. God wants you to have a relationship with Him. And I would never want to rob you of the joy of that relationship. It is extraordinary. My Abba in heaven. When I say in heaven, what do I know? God stands over the universe. God made the universe when you drove in this morning, did you see the mountains with snow ca- snow-capped mountains? Did you notice it, or were you too busy driving? I just thought, God, and maybe in light of what I'd be preaching tomorrow, th- this morning, I thought, God, you are my God in heaven who made all of this. And it declares your glory, it declares your power, it declares your creativity, it declares your goodness. You're amazing. I would never step out in faith if I did not trust the one who called me to step out in faith. The same is true for you. Here's the second thing that I want you to see. Hallowed be your name is a prayer of thanksgiving and praise for who God is. The word hallowed means sacred or holy. It means whole. And when it says, hallowed be your name, in that culture of that day, name represented the character and the nature of the person to whom that name was attached. Which is why Jesus changed the name of Simon to Peter. Because Peter in the Greek means rock and Jesus was saying upon you Peter I will build my church so you are no longer you are no longer Simon you are now Peter the same is true for the time of uh, for the name of Jesus the name of Jesus means the Lord of salvation where do we find salvation in the name of Jesus and so we see this incredible picture of hallowed be your name. So what does that mean? It means that we praise God for who he is. It means that we thank God for what he's done out of who he is. That's what it means to howl the name of Jesus. Many years ago, I was at a youth camp. I was doing youth work at the time, among some other things. And we, um, at this camp, we had about 175 high school students. I loved it. And They assigned each of the leaders from the different churches a different one-hour thing to do during the break time. They gave me prayer. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of high school students signing up for my time, right? An hour of just prayer. Three freshman boys came to this time of prayer. I will remember this till the day I die. Some of It was just amazing. These three freshman boys hungered for God. We spent one hour, one of the days, just doing this, hallowing the name of God. Just coming up with different biblical names that we remember and honoring God in prayer. Do you know there are more than 350 different names and descriptions given of God in the Bible. Of those, many of them were given to us by God himself. Many were given to us by the people who who experienced and encountered God and gave him a name out of that encounter. So let me just share with you some of the different names. And some of these, I think, will just really bless you this morning. And sometimes what I do is I stop right here and I think, okay, God, What do I need to experience of you in my life today? What aspect of your character, your nature, do I need to encounter in my life right now? Well, listen to some of these. And as I read these, and remember, this is just 15 or 20 of of 350. Listen to some of these. God is love, He defines love. What does our world hunger for? To love and to be loved. That's what our world hungers for. Every book, every movie has something to do with love. I love the the action-adventure movies, and they always have some relationship in there because they know how much we hunger for this. Why? We're made in the image of God, and God is love. He is perfect love. Your spouse is not perfect love. And if you expect that, you're going to be sorely disappointed. (laughs) There was just a little nod. (laughs) Your parent isn't perfect love. We know that, don't we, parents? We know that. Your child is not perfect love. Only God is perfect love. Only He is the one who is perfect in His love. This next series we're going to look at, we're going to be looking at encounters Jesus had with individuals in the Gospels, and we're going to see that lived out. He's all-knowing. Now, this is comforting and a little scary. He knows what you're thinking right now. Boy, Don's put on a little bit of weight. He knows what we're thinking. There's nothing you do in secret. God knows. He's all powerful. Oh, how comforting. How comforting in the midst of the strife and and pain of life to know that God is all powerful. He's present everywhere at all times, He's unchanging, He's holy, He's just. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's faithful, he's compassionate, he's sovereign, he's the creator, he's eternal, he's always good, he's the provider, he's the life giver, he's the teacher, he's the advocate, he is the mediator, he's the intercessor, he's the healer, he's the almighty one, he is the master, he is the good shepherd. Which of these do you need to experience in your life today? What have you experienced of God today? hallowed, sacred, be who he is, his name. The next thing that we see, and this is where it starts to get very challenging. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. Now, this is where a lot of us struggle. Over the years, I've had a number of people come to me and say, I'm very angry with God because I prayed for this and it didn't happen. I understand that. I have prayed for things and God said no, and it's painful and it's hard. I understand that. God is all powerful and He's always good. Life, as we see it from our human perspective, Is often not good and we pray for things and we utter these words but what we're really saying is God I want you to do what I want you to do I have my will God do my will we say these words but we deep down don't mean them I think one of the most challenging things is for us to relinquish our will to the will of God believing and trusting Though we may not understand in this lifetime, and there are things I don't understand in my life, in my world. This I know. God has a plan for eternity. And I want to fit into his plan for eternity. It may not be what I would want in my lifetime, but for eternity, God will use it for his glory. I wonder, is it hard to let those things go for you? It is for me. It is. It is. I pray boldly for things. And sometimes God says no. Or not now. And I'm not a very patient person. I want what I want, and I want it now. I'm like a toddler. But God sees all of eternity in one moment where you and I just see today and yesterday. We don't even see tomorrow. And it's hard for us in this prayer to say, oh God, yes, your kingdom come. Oh God, yes, your will be done. Oh God, yes, on earth as it is in heaven. God, we want your will to be done. Extraordinary. Dangerous. Here's, it just gets... Tougher. Ask God for your daily needs. Give us today our daily bread. Oh, we say that, but we don't really mean it. God, I don't want bread for today. I want bread for the next 20 years. God, fill my storehouse so I never have to live by faith. Fill my storehouse so I don't have to feel insecure. Fill my storehouse so I have everything I know I will ever want in the future. Give us today Our daily bread. What would it be like to have to trust God for bread each day? There was a very famous man in Great Britain many years ago, his name was George Mueller, and George Mueller felt called by God to start orphanages, but felt called strongly by God that he was never to ask for money. He was always to trust that God would provide. And if you've ever read his biography, it's extraordinary. There were nights when the orphans would be sitting way around the dinner table, and he would pray a a prayer of thanksgiving for the meal that they were about to eat, knowing there was no food in the kitchen. And not one time that that happened, that there wasn't a knock on the door, and somebody from the neighborhood just felt that they needed to bring food to the orphanage that night. They never went without. Now, I want to ask you, what would that do to your faith? What would that do to your faith? Give us today my daily bread. Give us today, God, what I need. And tomorrow when I get up, I will trust you for that day. We in America, we don't understand that because we are pantries full Our refrigerator's full like everybody else's or most of you. Give us today, today, our daily bread. And God, tomorrow, I will trust you for tomorrow. Wow. Here's the next one. This is probably, for many of us, the most difficult. Forgive us our debts. And I want to go to the next one, too, as we forgive our debtors. Confess your sins to God. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, God has forgiven me everything. Why would I confess my sins? Because as we see throughout the Bible, and particularly in Genesis 3, when we sin, the guilt and stain of sin causes us to pull away from a holy God. Particularly if it's an ongoing sin in our life, we will hide from God or think we're hiding from God. And what we need to do is to come back to God to sit and to confess our sin and to say, God, thank you for the blood of Christ that covers this sin. Thank you that I am forgiven. Thank you that I do not live in shame, but I live in grace. God, thank you. So we confess our sins. Forgive us our debts, Lord, and name them one by one. And then here, ask the Lord to give you the courage, the courage. To forgive those who have hurt you. Now, this is scary. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, forgive me in the same way that I've forgiven those who have hurt me. Does that make you uncomfortable? God, forgive me in the same way that I have forgiven those who have hurt me in my life. Now, here's what I know about forgiveness. You and I need to forgive Because holding grudges, being bitter only makes us a continued victim of the offense that was done against us. The thing that we need most is to let it go and to forgive. But the thing that we don't want to do is to let it go and to forgive because we don't want to let them off the hook. But here's the reality. I know and some of the deep, deep hurts that I have where people have betrayed me or done something to me, I know that I do not have the strength in it of myself to let it go and to forgive. I need the power of God. I need the intervention of the Holy Spirit. I need the power of God's word to let it go, that that, that bond would be broken, that I would no longer be a victim to what happened to me, but I choose to forgive. Now, my feelings, my emotions are going to take a while to catch up with that decision. But it begins with the decision, I choose to forgive. And I confess it to the Lord. Lord, I am struggling to forgive whoever. It might be a year ago. It might be something from 20 years ago. It might be something from 60 years ago. Some of you need to forgive your parent. Some of you need to forgive Somebody in your family, somebody needs to forgive somebody you trusted. Oh, God, give me the strength to forgive. And then listen to what Jesus said. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is a process. But it begins with saying, I don't want to live with this anymore. It's done. But God, I know that I don't have the power to let it go. So I'm going to continue to make this an issue of prayer. One of the things that I do, I ask God to bless the very people who have hurt me. I ask God to bless them. Because that's what the Lord called us to do. Finally, ask the Lord for the strength to stand against temptation. All of us know where we're susceptible to sin. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We just often, we just say evil. Literally, it's the evil one. Jesus set us free from the one that would seek to devour and destroy our faith, that would seek to devour and destroy our Christian witness. Oh God, set me free And so I pray about those areas where I'm tempted. And I pray that God would shore me up. I pray that God would take that 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 is in the darkness and bring it to the light. If you're a child here today, we used to pray that for our children. Oh, Lord, if there's anything in darkness, bring it to the light. And our kids used to say, how did you know? I remember one time I had a friend um, whose daughter was in the same class as, as my son and I found something out. Oh yeah, I worked the whole parent thing and the, and the school people thing. And Scott said, Dad, how did you know? And I said, I talked to God. He, he was a very good boy. <laughs> Friends, what I want to do now is I want to I spend a few moments in extended prayer together as a congregation. And I'm going to lead you in some moments of silence through the Lord's Prayer. And I want to invite you to join me as you pray silently where you're seated. As we walk through this prayer, not just saying the words, but understanding what the words are mean and leading you into moments of silence with God. We don't want to just talk about prayer. We want to pray. So I invite you to join me in prayer. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we are so thankful for the gift of your word. Lord, whenever I read this prayer, whenever I utter the words of this prayer, I feel so challenged there is so much in me that needs to grow and needs to mature. Father, we come before you as your people and we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In this moment of silence, you may wanna just thank God for what you've seen him do in your life. You might want to remember some of the words that I shared about who he is and just honor him. Honor him by raising those words to him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is this what you long for or do you struggle with this? Talk to the Lord about it. Us today, our daily bread? Are you willing to trust God each day? What do you need from God today? Although He already knows He wants you to share it with Him, He wants that relationship. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Where do you need to confess and come back to the Lord? And who do you need to forgive? Ask the Lord for strength and pray for that person this morning. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Where are you prone or susceptible to walk away from God? What are you hiding in darkness? Our Father, we thank you for the words that you have given to us through Jesus. Words of life, but challenging, so challenging. Oh Lord, speak to everybody here this morning. As the week goes on, remind us of these words, of the words of this prayer. And Lord, may we not just utter the words, but may, may we understand what they mean and what we're saying. And God, where we are just made a decision this morning, this is how we want to be, this is how we want to live, but our emotions and our feelings haven't caught up. Lord, strengthen us. May we be steadfast in that decision. And may we honor you in all that we do, that God, we may know you as our God, and we may indeed be your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.